podcast. Welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia. And Ellie. And we are the Queer Arabs. I'm Saudi American and a lesbian. I am bi, trans, and Lebanese, and we are broadcasting here in America with... Yes, with Adam. Adam, can you introduce yourself? Hello. Hi, I'm Adam Ashraf Osai, he, him, his pronouns. I am an Egyptian playwright currently based in New York. Woo! And we just met recently, which was awesome. Where did Yeah, that was really fun. Mark for redaction in the Habibi room. Yeah. That we've been raving about. Yeah, we're just going to milk that one for like forever, aren't we? We'll never stop. I know, we're never going to stop raving about that room. Um... Our next place is definitely going to be modeled somewhat after that, hopefully. I, I feel like we should have the same room in, like, other cities. I bet it, there was something. It wasn't even just the way the room looked. It was There was an energy to that, a very specific energy to that room. Totally. Uh, I think it was, like, also not just, like, the room itself, but all of the art around it that yes. made it... That the whole environment felt very inclusive in a way that you don't encounter in most queer spaces in New York. Yeah, Definitely. Because yeah. it, it drew a specific demographic of people, which is right. So you're based in New York. Do you, um, are you sometimes based elsewhere? Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, I'm not a U.S. citizen, so I come mm-hmm. and go mostly yeah. for the most part. Yeah, I know. Um, radical. Radical. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I would say that like, I'm for the most part between Cairo and New York occasionally I just like show up somewhere else randomly yeah um doing like I do I know it's like freelance work um usually like lots of translating work and so like okay good to have location independent work because I'm like a travel nerd also like New York is so expensive and so like when I like run out of a sublet I'm like I could literally use one month's rent and live like on a beach somewhere for that amount of money so it's great (laughs) oh my god how often are you like when you go back to Cairo about how long are you there usually oh um like like for example this summer I was there for a full three months that was traumatic um but um (laughs) Other times I'm there for a month. Um, yeah, okay. I mean, it usually like depends, but I would say that like I would spend two to three months out of the year there for like family reasons yeah. to hang out with family and friends. And Cairo, um, once you get into the groove of it, can be nice. Yeah, no, I I would love to go to Egypt. I'd oh my God, I'll show you around if we're ever in the same, That'd be amazing. there at the same time. Yeah. You would be, I, I can already tell, it would be really, we would have a blast. I, I, I have been told that I'm really good at like, touring people around which is funny because like often i will take people places that i haven't been and so it's like a collective like tourism experience yeah but like obviously i'm a local and so i like know how to deal with like like other locals in the tourism industry and so it's like it's a weird it's like i'm in a very liminal space in cairo where i'm from there and not yeah 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 that's yeah, that's always an interesting space to be in because you, there's mm-hmm. the familiarity, but so much newness too. Totally, always. and also Egypt's one of these places where the culture radically shifts consistently. Mm. Um, yeah, which which I think we'll we'll get into like specifically talking about queerness in a little bit. Um, yeah, but people are constantly um, the media has such a radical influence on. Um, the civic space and so on yeah and so people are how do I put this um it's very it's very interesting to see how shifts in ideology shifts in how people dress shifts in language and vernacular emerge from year to year 
Oh wow. Yeah, so so quickly. It sounds Yeah, like. it's it's insane. It's like like obviously that happens everywhere, but I think the rate at which it happens in Egypt is um astounding. Ooh, can you give us an example? Yeah. So like um politically, for example no for example, um wait, actually no, I'm trying to think of this. Um I would say that one example, for example, oh wow, I'm not making any sense. No, uh, you're good. How, how people dress in terms of like a spectrum of conservative to um, liberal or like secular, however you present it, which yeah. is, uh, I mean, and I know that these are obviously like stereotypes of what, how each culture group dresses, but um, there was a, a very interesting inverse relationship between the, the presented religiousness of the group in power and mm-hmm. how people actually dress. So for example, Oh. In the year between 2012 and 2013, when the Muslim Brotherhood was in power in Egypt, um, the percentage of people who stopped wearing the hijab was, uh, it was a phenomena that was noticeable by a lot of, um, by a lot of sociologists and so on. Yeah. And then, interestingly, in the current government, which has taken over since 2013, which, like, some would label as secular, most would label as secular, yeah. or, a, like, not necessarily... In, like religiously endorsed has been a lot more has brought back a lot of conservative values and that um, is reflected oh. in how people dress but also in like the politics and the leg- leg- legislation and so on oh that pendulum is swinging very quickly oh it really is yeah, yeah. that's a lot to keep up with because if you leave even just for a year you're yeah you it, come back yeah. and you're like wait what what mm-hmm. everything's changed yeah <laughs> Like a lot has changed. Wow. And like, nice. for example, I, I was go- I was going to say with fashion, for example. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think that's unique to Egypt. But like, there's that thing of like everything about how you dress, how you mm-hmm. put your makeup on. Like, there's a an element of performativity that consistently changes from year to year, and I, that's definitely reflective in the queer community as well. Oh wow. Yeah. So you're a playwright, and have you like have you present? Sorry, have any of your plays been presented in Egypt? Um, or is that so? Too I'm a queer risky? playwright who writes very queer plays. Yeah, and so um, <laughs> they we they can be presented in public space in Egypt. That's another thing that yeah. has gotten significantly more conservative in the past with the current administration of the past five years. Um, okay. Is that freedom of speech after it was uh, very lax? Well, freedom of speech was like. Well, how, how do I put this? Freedom of speech was very allowed for the first time in a very long time yeah. after the revolution in 2011. Uh, a lot of these, sorry, a, a lot of these, um, a lot of these freedoms were drawn back with the current administration, and oh. freedom of speech be- became much more stifled. Yeah. So that it's gotten to a point with specifically with performance and theater, where a group of amateur actors who were performing in a community club in Cairo. Mm-hmm. last year um, were in jail for six months oh because gosh. the idea of the play, the, the, the play that was written um, was depicting one of the military generals as villainous. And even though, wow. um, and even though the play had passed through the censorship bureau, which is a government office, um, somebody complained and these actors were jailed for six months be- before they were acquitted. So, oh so that's just because one military general character in a random play that was in an amateur theater was oh depicted as villainous. 
my play, on the other hand, which is um, very clear, would like essentially get everybody arrested or people would just disappear. Oh, um, okay. So to answer your question, yes, there were performances in Egypt, but there oh were. Oh my under- god, there were. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, was expecting. So no reasons. way, no way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. I, I, I oh my god, like that. <laughs> so wow. um, okay. So yeah, so we did it in a reading. It was a reading, not a full performance. Yeah. And one of my friends, who was a director, was like, he read the play, and then he was like, let's just do it in my house, and we will invite oh, queer okay, people. Yeah. Word of mouth. Uh, and so we had like literally okay. just eight hours of rehearsal. This was in June in Cairo with no air conditioning. Oh, it was gosh. kind of horrifying. Yeah. Um, but it was like such a community building thing because it was during yeah. Ramadan and mm-hmm. we all got together. We were working on the script. The director was giving notes. We had some um, music compositions that were... Um, We had some music accompaniments to the reading and then we had the three actors perform it and there were about 80 or 90 queer people who, well, it was queer people and allies that we knew were um, going to be okay, but it was very much word of mouth. No Facebook event was done. Yeah. Um, And we had like a poster that we passed around through Facebook Messenger, but it didn't have the time or place. People had to ask for the time and place. And even then, it was extremely tense because people were worried that like if one oh, one sure. wrong person walks in everybody in that room will disappear the next day yeah um, um how wow that's a really impressive audience size for that it way was of getting tiny. information out like it was also it was also it's not a like a huge apartment and so people were like squeezing in a non-air-conditioned apartment for two hours wow it was kind of horrifying uh, I bet it was but it was really good. Everyone, it was it truly, I, I mean, oh, I don't know, I can't speak for everyone, but I can say that it was definitely worth it for me yeah. uh, as a playwright to see how, because, you know, theater, unlike maybe film or TV, mm-hmm. theater, the audience is just as much a part of the medium and they just as much dictate the experience as yeah. the performers and the, and the playwright and the text and the director. And so it was really fascinating to see how uh, people react to the play, which is deeply comedic despite the traumatic elements of the text Mm -hmm. which is deeply comedic to see how the comedy was taken how the exchange of language my i tend to write in a very bilingual fashion that mixes arabic and english oh okay and so um to see how the bilingualism was taken how people react to specific moments what moments um like stuck out as funny in egypt versus in san francisco versus in new york um and it was very yeah. I don't want to describe the the productions and not productions the readings in San Francisco and New York as similar because they really weren't. One of them was in a queer theater. The one in New York, the first one was in San Francisco, okay. which was was with Golden Thread Productions, which is the biggest theater company uh, in the U.S. The oh. oldest theater company in the U- no 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 wait no no it's not as exciting. Let me <laughs> the oldest theater company in the U.S. that is um, telling Middle Eastern stories and working with Middle Eastern artists. <sighs> Um, and then the one in New York is with National Queer Theater, which does not have a Middle Eastern focus, but the majority of the demographic of audiences and collaborators are queer. And so to see how a predominantly Western queer audience versus a diasporic Arab American audience versus an actually Egyptian audience react to it was extremely fascinating because I did all of these readings in the span of four months from each oh other. Oh my God. So tell us how did, like, yeah. how did it, like, just tell us how each group reacted and like... 
Why do you think Wait, it was? First, can we ask uh, what? Okay. Can oh, you should we talk listeners... about the play first? Because I didn't really mention. Oh. Yeah. Can you tell the listeners what the play is called right. and like what it's about? Okay. So my play is called Drowning in Cairo. That's uh, my fourth play. Okay. So my Drowning in Cairo is my fourth play. Yeah. And it, it tells the story of three men between the 1997 and 2015 as they age from the age of 14 to 32 and in at the age of 18 they are in the queen boat incident which is an incident that happens on a nightclub on the nile that was specifically famous for having a gay clientele and in yeah. 2001 the police raided that uh, boat and arrested 52 gay men who were so, some were acquitted, some were not, but the mm -hmm. average person stayed in jail for this for three years. Whoa. And the human, it was, I believe it was one of the first human rights cases to emerge from Egypt. Uh, I mean, sorry, to, uh, it was one of the first human rights cases that are specifically about LGBT issues yeah. that emerged from the Middle East and that came to international attention, attention. Um, which has um, its pros and its cons that it came to international attention. But yeah, um, sure. that, which I'll, I, I can get into that later. But, yeah. um, but so my three characters are called Moody, Taha, and Khalid. Mm -hmm. And these three characters are, come from very different backgrounds. I was really interested in looking at how these three characters who represent different demographics in Egypt, different class uh, groups, different presentations of masculinity versus not um, engage with each other. And these three boys know each other from the age they're 14 until they're 32 and you really see how being involved in on this boat and living through um the political climate and the social climate in egypt which is consistently changing like i was saying earlier over the last 18 years affects their relationship to each other and affects and causes trauma for some of them causes the worst versions of themselves to emerge um and it's it's it, I, I would say that it's very much a it's based on the play is based on psychological realism and it's exploring how relationships are affected by trauma in the context oh. of queerness in Egypt. And oh wow. And this Did... is and this is supposed to be the funny one with Well, I mean, you, you okay, so <laughs> Okay, like, I didn't Okay, element. here's the thing. I'm I didn't explicitly add a comedic element. It's by no means written to be funny. I wouldn't say it's a farce at all. Um, yeah. But, you know, like, there are moments, like, think about, like, Mark for Reduction. Like, I, I just think queer people, like, when they get together, um, there's a certain common culture, a certain common, uh, especially when you grew up in the same space at the same time, in the same community, um, there are moments of humor that emerge from their conversation, which are really unintentional in my totally. right. Totally, yeah. Um, and so... I would say that, like, since you asked earlier what the differences between the three readings were, yeah. is that the different, how different people laughed at different things. Um, and so I think yeah. the audience that laughed the most, the, uh, sorry, the audience that laughed the most was mm -hmm. the Arab American audience with Golden Thread Productions in San Francisco. Um, I think oh, because, I, my, my theory about that, that I might be talking out of my ass, uh, but my theory about that is that they could understand the humor and the vernacular enough to comprehend it, but there wasn't the element. It didn't hit so close to home that people could 
that people knew people who were in this incident. Yeah. It was an incident, um, or that there was a risk that, that the police could actually walk in the room while the performance was happening. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like because the event, especially with the way when we had it in Egypt, there were a lot of older um, gay men who probably knew people who were in that boat, um, oh. and so on. And so it's it's a very different dynamic when you're in the positionality yeah. of the politics of that space. There's a tension added. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And then there's literally exactly. the fact that the police could walk into the room. Yeah. Yeah. No big deal, right? Yeah, just yeah. casual. Yeah, cash. Like, boiling yeah. hot room, the police might walk in. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a lot of... Um, yeah, it's very mm-hmm. intense. It sounds like... It was just like a really intense environment. Um, it physically, really was. I mean, yeah. physically and emotionally, it sounds like. Um, yeah, I remember, like, after every other reading, I remember this feeling of intense gratification. Um, oh, I would say that yeah. after this one, I was exhausted. I literally like I bet. Ubered home, went to sleep. Cause, and I like needed like 24 hours after that to process just yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Are you talking you're the one in Cairo? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, the yeah, one in yeah. Cairo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, were you able, I know you probably were drained, but like at the end, did you have, some kind of Q and A or something. Like, did oh, you talk um, to the audience? yeah, we had we had a very short. This is another interesting difference. Um, I think mm-hmm. both of the performances in the U.S. the Q and A ran for a very long time. Yeah. Um, in Egypt, we did like have a Q and A. Some one person asked me a question, and then it was just silence. Yeah. Um, yeah. But obviously, I spoke to a lot of people one on one after. Uh, I mean, I did know a lot of these people, and so it was yeah. definitely. I would say that it was definitely um, some people felt like it was it was relatable almost on a, a very visceral level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. Um, and then how did the reading or the performance in New York go? The performance in New York, I think personally, was my favorite. Uh, so context: yeah. these are all readings. Uh, the oh, next, okay. The, Got it. The Got premiere, it. the production is going to be happening in June. As a part of, oh, uh, okay, yeah, come see it. <laughs> it's not going to be during Pride. It is going to be during Pride. Okay. So, um, okay. which Pride? Yeah, like, which Pride? Even though I already know. Lol. I'm excited. Uh, the World Pride, of Pride Fifty, which is the, in the fiftieth anniversary of Stonewall, uh, yeah. in New York. Yes. Oh, should I have said New York Pride? Okay, so it's in fiftieth anniversary of Stonewall in New York Pride which is also this year being referred to as World Pride because it's the 50th anniversary of Stonewall. Uh, yes. So, yeah, it's, it's in collaboration with National Queer Theatre and the Stonewall Community Foundation. I enjoyed the oh. one in New York the most because um, I just, the actors, the group of actors I worked with in New York, I think, is my favorite cast for this reading because we've also, I think a huge part of theatre, like I said, is the audience. And so there have been so many variations of this play written for different audience groups. And I think that as a playwright or anybody trying to tell stories, um, I'm, I always like I'm trying to interrogate what it, who I'm trying to write for and what it means for the politics of putting these words in someone's mouth in this moment, in this space. Yeah. And so I'm constantly interrogating why, what does it mean for white people to come see this play versus what does it mean for a group of Egyptians uh to come see this play Um, and for that reason I've curated different examples of the play 
um, different, sorry, different variations of the oh, play cool. for different groups um, in terms of the language, in terms of there are certain beats in this play that aren't in the other. And so yeah. I think the version that I have created for New York um, works best with the director in New York and the cast in New York. And okay. so I'm, I'm very happy with that version right now. And it's, it's obviously a consistent... I don't want to say struggle. It's obviously consistent um, checking in with myself. Yes, evolution is definitely right. But also checking in with myself of like, what are the politics of my work? Um, What does it mean for me to be creating this work for white audiences? Am I somehow contributing to Orientalist thinking or anything of the sort? Or how how can my work evolve so that it's not... um, So that it's actually challenging like mainstream audiences who are coming to see it beyond Arabs? Yeah. And it's hard to it's probably hard to find that balance because you because like with a wide well it's like a white audience there's probably this thinking of like oh the poor some people might think like oh the poor egyptians and their struggles and and, and like mm -hmm. yeah and you want to present like no people are strong like there's a lot of strength while there's also struggle Mm -hmm. um and the nuancing that representation and stereotypes was actually a reason that I didn't that I'm only writing this play now I've, I've been thinking about it for two or three years yeah, and I had to hard. I had to really I I was doing an independent study with one of my um academic mentors uh and we basically brought together the 10 or so queer Arab literatures that have existed from the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And we were looking at like the politics of representation in each, in each of them. And some completely were conforming to the idea of like Arab men are violent or mm-hmm. Arab women are oppressed or whatever yeah. like thing, like certain groups of people think. Uh, and then some were completely avoiding it. And what I wanted to do was like bring these stereotypes to the forefront and then subvert them. So, for example, um, in my play, one of the characters um, ends up being a policeman who is very physically abusive uh, and sexually abusive towards um, other people in prison and so Mm -hmm. on. And while you don't, while he's never excused or you don't sympathize with him, there's also a nuancing of you really come to see the different institutional elements that have worked on him to mold him into this person. And so it's rather than rather than sympathizing with him, it's just coming to how do I put this to complicate the stereotype or look at what are the reasons, often colonialism, that these that things have come to exist the way they are at the moment. Colonialism, what a novel concept. It's like I know it's It's almost (laughs) it's almost like a thing we discuss. (laughs) Who would have thought? Yeah. Radical. Um... Yeah, it's good that like people need to be reminded that there is a lot of depth to humans and that like right. they you know, they people can't see others from other cultural backgrounds as these 2D characters. Right. Like mm-hmm. these are human beings we're talking about. And that's really what yeah. I'm what I I'm trying to do with them. Specifically the work of mine that I curate for western audiences and for the theater scene yeah. here. My aim is to really try and like look at these stereotypes and then look at how reductive they are and how we can eventually come out of them. Yeah, you know, it sounds like you're so thorough about all of this, which is really, it's really wonderful. I know it's probably a lot of, there's, it can be daunting probably. It's, it's really, 
specifically in the last couple of years, um, with the political climate of the last couple of years, yeah, I God. it's it's constantly exhausting as an artist to okay. feel like the onus of representation is on you, but also because any yeah. I mean I will say this and I will not be name, naming names, uh-huh. but there have been artists, um, not just of Middle Eastern descent, but of other um, of other groups in the region mm-hmm. who have 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 achieved um, mainstream acclaim because they're engaging in narratives with politics that are reaffirming stereotypes or uh-huh. and I it's it's really easy to slip into that like because everybody in the theater industry is trying to get you to slip into that um, yeah uh, and it's, it's like, really it's like where do you find the balance like okay I need to pay my rent. I need yes. to get... But I also uh, like don't want to write terrorists. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. the people in power, you know, people with the money and the power, like, mm-hmm. what are they going to accept? Okay, they're going to maybe accept this assimilated um, type of thing. Right. But mm-hmm. it, it's really, it's amazing that you're you're being so... I, I, I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm just really happy to hear, like, how um determined you're being about this and i i'm sure it must be hard for you um uh, i mean it's, it's harder some days than others but yeah yeah like you know but i i definitely understand the ease of it it's like by being queer arab and out you're already standing out quite a bit and right. then like do you really want to challenge their ideas of x while you're also doing that or have you just pushed them enough so they are thinking yeah. about it. It's like, what's right. too radical for everyone? Right, <laughs> totally. It's yeah, like, do I show basically. this really cool, colorful story with all the flourishes and that really cool trans person that we all loved? Or do I write that person out because it make the straight white people uncomfortable? To too sense. alienated, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, wow. But, you know, I think I truly believe that... Um, People tend to have a certain level of respect uh, yeah. for you and your work when you stand out more. And you can sometimes, Definitely. obviously there are times when not everybody will be on your side or will find your work palatable. But I think, in my experience, um, speaking out and refusing certain um, stereotyping mm-hmm. often actually um, gets people to be on your side or creates allies. That's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I- I'm a very positive person. It's probably because I'm 21. <laughs> You're only 21. Oh yeah. my God. What have I been doing with what? my life? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, what the hell have we been doing with my life? <laughs> no, oh, that's amazing. Adam, you're I, amazing. I'm, I, I know. I'm actually quite silly. I'm not that amazing. I love it. No, I just, this is so awesome. And like, it sounds like you're really getting a good start to a, a very enriching and fulfilling career um and i don't know it's good that like your yeah your determination is really going to carry you through i bet and you're gonna like it's gonna take a lot of resilience because there will be some pushback but it sounds like you're you know you're you're you got you're your head prepared on you for got it this. yeah you're prepared for it you know your your priorities Mm. and that's huge yeah i mean that's huge like as an artist to kind of be able to articulate those priorities so early on 
Um, mm-hmm. I think that's really valuable. Um, and so, okay, so that Johnny and Cairo is going to be at Pride. And do you know, like, do you Have know they yet at a the schedule? cast? Oh, oh, okay. Oh, How about um, the cast and the schedule? So I know, I mean, yeah. I don't know the cast of the production. Uh, yeah. So like, this is this is a bit awkward. I don't know if you actually include this in the episode. But okay. uh, so like I've had a very lovely cast for so obviously like finding actors in the city who are Egyptian and happy to play queer characters is not easy mm-hmm. um yeah. but I have found uh like the cast like I, like I was saying earlier the cast that I've worked with in New York is lovely yeah. um they're also like two out of three straight um oh, so they've okay. been they've, yeah. they've I don't know, which is great like I have no problem with straight people playing these roles uh but they've been great in a reading, I don't know if they'll be comfortable playing the characters in like a full production because the play is quite graphic. Yeah, yeah, and I bet, yeah, that's pretty hard because, um, like, probably some people want to have that role, but they're maybe they're afraid. Of course, safety of course. Wise. I, mean, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. I feel like that. I, I don't think the production is going to be like so blown up that like people in egypt will see it uh but definitely like i would imagine that if i was a straight person and i don't know that weird crazy scary fictional world where that would happen uh or even like queer people who aren't out, yeah I it would be very difficult to to yeah. like explain that to parents back home or anything of the sort yeah it's like yeah. almost like coming out yeah have you like in past readings where were the people who did the readings all Egyptian? Um, so in Egypt, of course, they were all Egyptian. Yeah. In New York, we've had two Egyptians and one Syrian person. Oh, okay. Uh, in San Francisco, we had three Egyptians, which was lovely. Wow. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's been, honestly, I can't complain. It's been incredible finding these actors, and they're all amazing actors. It's awesome. Um, yeah, do you, like... I don't know. I don't know if you know specifics yet. Do you know like the day? Like, I, I guess. Oh, at Pride, um, it's like, going to be in be... June. It's going to be in a theater called. Oh my god, I remember. It's in the West Village. It's all I know okay. is that it's in the West Village. Google um, it real quick. And oh my god, <laughs> no, actually, we'll... I totally could. But also, uh, wait, yeah, it's so it's it's called the Criminal Queerness Festival, and it's um, the festival is premiering four country uh, four plays from four countries where where queerness is criminalized. Um, oh, and so it's really yeah. exciting because the other three plays are from Kenya, China, and Pakistan. And wow. they're actually incredible plays. Uh, I'm really, really excited. And so each perf- each play is going to be getting five performances over a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know uh, which week of June I'll be getting. I'm hoping to get the first one because I want to okay. go back to Cairo after that. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay, it has to be that one then. I yeah, I'm going to ask the artistic director soon. <laughs> okay. I really yeah. hope we can go to that. Be oh my God, that would be amazing. I would love that. We're definitely planning to go to Pride. Um, oh my God, really? Yeah, in New York. Um, we were planning to go for the festival, or for the parade, sorry. Um, right. Well, the parade is the end of the month, the though, right? End, yeah. I know, we'll have to see like when we can go mm. and stuff. Yeah. And- Hopefully. Oh my god, but know. also now that I think about it, getting yeah. your reading, getting your production during the week of the parade would also be dope. So, yeah. I know, I wish, 
I wish we could go both. Mm. I don't know. Maybe we just could do go like for a the beginning month. and end of month. <laughs> yeah, let's go for the whole month. I like that. Oh my god, we're, I'd be so fired. I know. Me too. <laughs> we'll be like, hey, sorry, work. I need to suddenly take off a month. I need to go. To no big deal. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Yeah, that would go over well. I don't know. Maybe we can try to go the beginning and the end. We could. We should try to figure it out. So two weekends. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's something to look into. So yeah, we're so folks, we're planning our schedule. Maybe you should too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody I, I think come to this, New York Pride. <laughs> I think this will be a really powerful. Um, I really, really hope so. Yeah. Um, it's also like. So I've like because the play has been get has been slowly gaining more traction. Yeah. It's very concerning because I don't know like at one point will I not be able to go home anymore. <laughs> I know I was gonna, I was wondering about that. That like yeah. So like I'm like it's it's such a like I'm in such a precarious position where, yeah. like, I'm super out to everyone, almost everyone, but my parents. Uh, uh-huh. And I'm just like constantly like. What if, and like, I have to, I make Facebook posts of like when I get interviewed or something. Like, yeah. for example, when this episode like comes out, I'm probably going to post it on Facebook. Right. But I have this like option on Facebook where my parents can't see what's going on. Oh, totally. Uh, yeah, we're all, yeah, we're all so familiar like with those, those filters. Like, I, yeah. I don't, I, I literally do not know a single like Swana person who doesn't use that filter. I have right? a filter called Saudis where oh. I can be like everyone except Oh, mine, mine is mine is literally called it's a it's like a friends list I made on Facebook uh-huh. called old people and Egypt. Oh <laughs> it's literally God. called old people in Egypt. And so That's, um well, and so every yeah, time I'm like posting something about myself, it's just like old people in Egypt, right? Oh my God. Uh, one time I was like drunk in San Francisco and I forgot to put it, and my mom was very angry, uh, which is oh funny because like she saw it and she was like. She put that down. Like oh, she shit. didn't ask about the fact that I said I was gay. She just asked me to put it down, um, which was oh, hilarious. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. No, but so she um, knows, right? No, I mean, we Eric. literally have never spoken about it, and then mm-hmm. she'll still talk about like, oh, when I get married, obviously yeah. referring to that, a woman, that blah blah blah. Plausible deniability. I know, but like, mm-hmm. but like, she's literally seen it, and apparently she was like very sad, according to my sister. But oh. it was like, put it down. <laughs> oh well. Uh. Anyway, uh, no, but it's like the concern now is like. Yeah. What if, like, one of these articles somehow ends up, like, somewhere where they see it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I know. that's Social media is so stressful. Yeah. It's so hard I to know. know. Yeah, it's so hard to know, like, what will get passed around, what boundaries, like, how to set boundaries. Right. Um, so, for example, like, yeah. when I even after I had that filter, mm-hmm. recently, like, an article came out, and my friend in Egypt was, like, super nice person, mm-hmm. like, shared it on their profile oh shit. um yeah and i was like it's okay like nobody on because i'm like very out i don't care uh-huh, except for yeah. my parents yeah, yeah. but then i remember that that friend was in high school with me and she had my mom on facebook no! and i had oh. to call her and be like no no turn this down like, please turn this turn- down. yeah take yeah. it off or set your filter yeah Oh wow! Like, I need yeah, you to unfriend so my mom. I, yeah. No, that's well. That's what we actually ended up doing. We had her unfriend my mom, and then oh, my mom okay. literally—it's really creepy. But my mom literally the next day texts me. She's like, "Why didn't Nora unfriend me?" Oh and I'm God. like, "Why are you You're keeping like, track you of notice? your friends list? That's creepy." That's so funny. Uh, there's a plugin for that. There's a plugin. Just saying. Yeah. Apparently, which I didn't know about till recently. I don't think my mom knows how to use plugins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she obviously 
She was just casually like point, making yeah. sure her friend list was complete same, at some point. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> my mom is also very into Facebook involved in it. She notices so much. No, my mom was like, my mom was on Snapchat before I was, which is oh, confusing. Wow. What? She was like, Whoa. why are you not on Snapchat? No, my mom's like not that old. She's like 45. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, okay. So, mom, yeah, yeah. why are you not on? She's like, why are you on Snapchat? And I'm She's like, like, son, catch up with the times. I know. And then I like got on Snapchat and I didn't tell her. Yeah. Um, and then she like found out through my sister that I was on Snapchat and that was awkward. I feel like this is all material that you're probably not putting in the episode. <laughs> yeah, we can cut out whatever you want. Yeah, sorry. Although I really no, I mean it's fine. This. No, you can put whatever you want. I'm just saying I don't know if it'll be like No, we we can whatever you're comfortable with. <laughs> yeah, no 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 no. I'm that's not what I'm talking about. You could put anything. I'm fine. I was okay. just saying that like will people be like engaged by this? No, I no, think no, no, no everyone everyone will relate to this. That's the thing. Right. Like, yeah. We all, I think everyone listening navigates this in some way, like, because social media has created this whole other, um, yeah, just this whole other challenge to being queer because it's just this new level of connectivity and this new right. level of like, your information is so accessible to people and you never know who sees it. And it's scary to think about like how, um, I don't know, like how we can never know who knows what. That's yeah. very and true. Even those of us like me who've been carefully managing their profiles and shit, like, mm -hmm. you know, like I have to have, like I, for my like real Facebook account, I have to, I even have just an alias there just because I don't want it to be searchable in case somebody was like, decides to dox me on this thing. Cause, right. Oh my oh God, God, that is scary. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Or, yeah. or like somebody who, who, like, okay, so obviously, since we have a website, we have to do business with web providers. And, okay. You know, like just one of those jackasses who works there looks, looking up our account or something. Right. Oh, and, that is scary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. stuff like that. Or no, and I like, I get yeah. really paranoid, like sometimes. Me too. Um, okay, so one time, like, there was this person on campus uh -huh. who added like like somebody added them and then added six of my friends but it was like a really weird account that was just created yeah and i swear to god i had this theory that it was my mom adding all of my friends so that oh so that god. she eventually has enough mutual friends with me that when she adds me I accept her and then she can see everything on my Facebook. And obviously it turned out to be like a random person. But yeah. like it was literally like though. paranoia. Like yeah. paranoia That's to the next level. Justified paranoia. Yeah. I get it so much. Like, I mm -hmm. can't even tell you how much I relate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sleeping Middle Eastern mom stereotype mom. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, it's hey, something a lot of people relate to. Ugh, yeah. Fun territory. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, oh, so, well. <laughs> um, so you've written some other plays. Are they all like based? Are the plots based in Egypt? Um, no. I've written a play based in Michigan, but it was still like about Arabs. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I yeah. wrote another play based in Egypt, mm -hmm. and my other play is actually based in Times Square. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, no, like not like Times Square, like Midtown, but like one block okay. away from Times Square. Um, yeah. But yeah, but they're all about Egyptians. I feel like I should diversify. Um, nah, right, my, right, you know. My, my, yeah. my next play has... My next play is a six-character play. And I'm looking at um, 
immigration and how our uh, how like American conceptions of what immigration and how it ties to the American dream has evolved over the past three decades. Uh, not three decades, sorry, the past century. And so it's okay. looking through three three couples. Um, one from 1910, and then one from oh, wow. 1960s, and then one is contemporary. And these three couples, like three members of that, like one person from each couple has been in a family line, mm-hmm. and the other person is their partner, and they've all lived in this one apartment. And so it's looking at these three, like this one apartment and what has ha- be- what it has looked like over the past, in three different generations over the last century. Um, and it's consistently like one person from this family that has been in the U.S. for 400 years and their partner who is an immigrant. Um, and then at some point, time breaks down. And so all these couples from different generations start talking to each other. Um, so, yeah. But I'm basically interested in how... That is also I'm, a very New York story. I'm really interested in looking at how... Um, kind of what it meant to... Because there's there's obviously this idea of the American dream, and then there's this contemporary thing in the last 10 years of like liberals saying the American dream is fake and not real and so on. Yeah. Um, and, I'm, and I think both of these are reductive in some way. I want to really look at what immigrants who have come to this country have thought about why they're coming over the last century yeah. and how that's evolved and how their expectations and what they come to be here changes based on the identities and traumas they bring with them. Yeah. Really Sorry, important. just casual stuff. <laughs> no, that's, that's, yeah, casual. I love how I always like, it's this thing that always happens when I'm talking about my writing, where I will like begin with the theory instead of like telling you what the actual story of the scene is. Um, but like, actually, like if you end up watching it, it'll, I mean, I haven't like, it, I'm only like halfway through writing it. But if you end up like reading it or seeing it, it ends up being like a much simpler story than all the like theory behind it that I talk at you. Well, it's cool to get background on it. Right. Like, to you hear know, you talk more in depth. Before you can run at people and say, hey, how'd you like to hear a story about a hundred years of colonialism, trauma, <laughs> and personal yeah. regrets? Yeah, I mean, like, there's very, like, with Drowning in Cairo, I could say this is a story of, like, the evolution of the queer community's relationship to the law over the past two decades in Egypt. Or I could mm-hmm. say it's, like, a story of, like, three men coming of age. <laughs> three gay yeah. men coming of age in Cairo. You could tell it either way. And I always, like, I always feel like yeah. I should go with the latter, but I always go with the former because I'm, like, a nerd. <laughs> no. I, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and the... Theater is for nerds. Embrace Indeed. it. <laughs> yeah. It is, yes. Yeah, yeah, and like both, both are accurate. Both are good uh, components, like valid components to it. Sounds like right. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm so excited that you're that this is happening at Pride. That's amazing. That's huge. Oh. So uh, thank you. Yeah, like I don't know. I hope you, I hope you're there. I like would love I know to. We're there too. I, I really hope for hope you to we actually see it. Yeah, we'll try for sure. That would be yeah. so powerful to right. see. Yeah, I'm thinking of. Um, so remember, I was talking about how I like hop around the world sometimes. Yeah. Um, I'm, I really, really want to catch Beirut Pride this year. <gasps> oh my god! Um, I'm like That's seriously. May, right? I'm seriously oh. considering. It's in April this year, not May. April. Late okay. April. Okay. So this year, I'm considering just like hopping there, like spending a month in April in. 
Beirut oh and before coming back for Pride here and rehearsals here. <laughs> yeah. That sounds incredible. Yeah. Sorry, that was like can... a weird tangent. I really hope you... No, I really hope you can do it. That would... Yeah. Beirut Pride sounds really cool. I've wanted to... So, like, funny story. Um, I graduated college uh, yeah. this May. And Yay. I was supposed to go to Beirut Pride. I, I was in Abu Dhabi. I graduated from NYU in Abu Dhabi. Um, and so it was awesome. literally, like, a, like, two-hour flight from Beirut. And my best friend and I were supposed to go for Pride. But then it was, like, the week before graduation. And I was supposed to stay in town to, like, do all the, like, commencement stuff. Um, and then, like, right after we canceled our tickets, Beirut Pride, like, the issues that emerged with Beirut Pride emerged. Yeah. And I was like low key, low-key glad that I waited because then I can like go next year when it's yeah, actually working. No, it, yeah, no, the timing worked out like. Yeah. Yeah, I, know. I mean, obviously, I'm not glad that like the shit went down. Very oh no, That's totally. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's good that like, yeah. No, yeah. I totally get it. Where like you, you're you're glad you didn't jump the gun on something that turned yes. out to be rather to dramatic. Not, at to times. be really. Well, yeah. Oh my gosh. That would have also been interesting to be there for that. It w- that would be memorable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe not in a good way. But not in a oh good well. way. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I hope. Hopefully, all goes well this coming year. I really, really hope so. Yeah. yeah. I kept like I was like booking, considering booking the ticket again, and my friend was like, "Wait a few days. Let's see. Like, wait a few months. Let's see yeah. how it goes." Yeah. Yeah. No, that's smart. Um. One of our past episodes, we talked to Hadi Damian, who is the right. director, and he was talking. Like, I I had no idea how much goes in or goes on during Beirut Pride because, like, in my mind, and I know a lot of, like, what was shown in the media is that it's a parade, mm-hmm. but there's so many other elements to it. Right. Oh, yeah. There's that, a lot of arts performances and visual yeah. arts exhibitions. And, and so like, on. none of that was talked about in the news. Right. Um, like yeah. the the variety of things mm-hmm. within the Pride Month right. and stuff. So yeah, a lot I, of people yeah. tend to experience Pride as a day or a weekend, and mm-hmm. even you know, if it's like a full month. Like even here in Houston, <clears throat> like there's events going on all month, even though we don't. We just go to like the festival and parade at the end of it. Yeah. Right. It's the same in New York as well. In New York, there's like at least twenty events every day of June. It's, uh, it's it's insane and they're all over the city so it's like impossible to go to everything no yeah you yeah you have to you pick, have to pick and choose yeah, yeah i don't think anybody would want to go to everything because it's just like they're a huge yeah. variety yeah so like like for example i would probably want to go see like all the visual arts there are a lot of like rallies there are a lot of like support groups and so yeah. it's like like each i i would imagine that like it's curated in such a way so that everybody could find something but not one person would be engaged by everything. Yeah. Yeah. I am am sick to death of being invited to black tie anything anymore. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 Unless it's open bar. That's a big plus. That's a huge bonus. (laughs) If it's open bar, I'm open to. Otherwise, you know, (laughs) you know, sign me up for the zine fair with. Yeah. Oh my God. That sounds fun. Yeah, the zine fair would... Oh, that sounds fun. Um, yeah. Do you want to tell the vodka story or not really? I don't mean to. Do it. So we went to this, like... It's a long story, but we got invited to this really fancy lesbian health initiative event. It was like Oh my god, I, I love that that's a thing. I know. It was, it was really cool, but it was like so fancy and we were all underdressed and all that. We had no idea when we walked in. 
And then we were like, well, we're not in our element, you know? I was the mm -hmm. second most underdressed person there. Yeah, you were. Anyway, so there was an auction and Ellie was bored at one point and was like, oh my God, I feel awkward right now because I, I just don't feel... I don't... It's like, this is the first time I've gone to an event and I've like known no one aside from the party I came with. Yeah. Like, I've been going in and out of these sort of fundraisers for years and right. like, there's always at least somebody I know. This yeah. one, nobody and so, at all. Yeah, so Ellie was like, oh, well, just to pass the time, I'm just going to try to bid on one thing. So she bid on a whole case full of vodka. I don't even oh know how many God. bottles there were. Four, Four big bottles of vodka. Oh and God. she ended up winning. That's so, so funny. Yeah, so she hoisted the crate on her shoulder <laughs> and walked out. And I was like, okay, I guess That's we're leaving. So funny. But it was her big exit. It was really funny. <laughs> oh my god! Um, you gotta make your own wanna, fun at these events. Oh my god! Yeah. I want like Plus I, I want that to be in like a it. web series episode. Oh my god! Yes. That sounds like a web series episode. Oh my god! Can we make the queer podcast into a web series? Oh my god! Yes. We should, yeah. We should do the vodka one as the first one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that would be so like funny. a pilot, a good pilot, and introduction to your characters. It would. Ellie was. Yeah. Like the exit she made was just so legendary, and That's everyone so remembers it. Like all of That's friends. so funny. <laughs> okay, for context, the way I was dressed at this black tie, you know, black dress event, I walked in with like Doc Martens, like some really dirty blue jeans, a black yeah. leather jacket. <laughs> oh my god! And were like, you, were, was the invitation not like specifying at all? No, well, because it was a friend who got us tickets. Oh, right, and, like, right, right, right. Okay. Most so everyone else there, I think has a bit more money because like it, it was a it was a very expensive event that we got okay. invited we didn't have to pay and so like mm -hmm. it was just one of these kind of last minute things of oh i have these extra comp tickets so we didn't know at all right right you didn't know the nature of the but event. we had a great time like it was a really it was a cool experience it was just like it was funny and random that we were there right so Ellie, Ellie made it into her own experience, which was fun. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. The vodka lasted a long time. We're it's still like, drinking that vodka. We still have a lot. Oh my god! Yeah. Wow. There's a lot of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it was funny. Um, so yeah. So yeah, like, so for everyone uh, listening, what are the names of your other plays, just so people uh, have an idea? Ooh, okay. Ooh. Um. <laughs> None of them are published, so I don't know if this is. Relevant. Oh, you don't have to say it if you don't want to. <laughs> or, oh no, no, I'm comfortable there, saying or, it. I'm or, just saying or, that like you won't be able to find them really. Or, uh, unless or you, like, alternatively, do you have like any links to like a reading? What are the readings? Uh wait, let me think. Like on YouTube or something, or SoundCloud. Oh, they're like all on my Google Drive. Wait, oh, let me okay. think. Um, okay. Fine. I mean, I if, can I can definitely give you the links and you could put them in the show notes. If you're if you're up for it, we I'm, I'm comfortable. I mean, with if that. you just... if you're comfortable with that, we can actually oh, yeah, just put yeah, it on our own server. I'm down. Okay, that's totally fine. Um, okay, yeah. yeah. Wait, do you wanna with, do you like... wanna touch on? Because I feel like we didn't touch on like the this, uh, the political situation in Egypt over the last. Yes. Yes. Why? Okay. So uh, political situation in Egypt. Yeah. Right. Give us your kind of your impressions how it is right now. Yeah. So so um I would say that like obviously I I already talked about the Queen boat incident which. Um, was in 2001 and then things rested from then to the revolution which was 10 years later mm -hmm. uh, there were very infrequent arrests here and there um, and then 
during the first two years after the revolution, there were almost no arrests, including during the year that the Muslim Brotherhood was in power. Um, wow. And then okay. um, in 2013, once the military re- took a hold of government again, um, there was a huge spike in arrests and active persecution of specifically gay men and trans women. Um, yeah. So that was that was particularly disturbing. I would say that Egypt is currently one of the top five countries that are with incarceration rates of LGBTQ people. Um, there were like there's literally police like on grinder. Uh, and if you yeah, when you like get to grinder in Egypt, um, it like actually tells you like we recommend that you get offline and be aware of who you're talking oh to. But, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, and there's active. It's it's become this thing where. There's attacks from outside the country and so on, and the government is really incapable of stopping those. And so yeah. they create this counter narrative about how they're stopping um, LGBT people and how that's like they're stopping the spread of perversion and yada yada yada, and how that is the thing that they're yeah. doing, right? And so, so the queer law people is have become like broadly. Yeah. And it's, oh, the law, so obviously, yay, back to the subject of colonialism. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There are certain penal codes from the time that uh, the British were. Oh, in God. power yeah. that were set up uh, against um, anti-debauchery and promiscuity. Oh my God. And obviously, debauchery and promiscuity are not real things. So right. um, these right. are the laws that they use to persecute LGBT people. Oh. But recently, there has actually been someone in parliament who said that we should have a law that actively is against LGBT issues. Oh, as if there's not enough. So like yeah. a Russian-style law? Like, indeed, exactly, a Russian-style oh, wow. law. So, yeah, that's where Egypt is at. Um, and so, like, I, because the play ends in 2015, um, mm-hmm. the final scene, and the play is not linear, but um, the final scene of chronology yeah. ends with that, with this insane spike in um, arrests and the three characters' friends all starting to disappear around them and them starting to find a way to flee the country. Yeah. Do you know if, yeah. like, so the people from the Queen Boat, do you know if, some are still incarcerated like do people know no i i believe that the incarcerations for that lasted two or three years um oh for everyone but i think yeah i mean i think some were acquitted and some were incarcerated um but i believe that um i don't think anybody there's there was intense shame associated with um being in the queen boat so nobody has been vocal about it or come out to talk about their experience in um even though there have been lots of um reports from Human Rights Rights Watch and so on, talking about the different kinds of abuse that uh, these people encountered in jail. And and these reports were very instrumental in how I wrote the scenes in which they contend with the trauma of jail in Drowning in Cairo. Makes sense. Yeah. That's probably some of the only um, reports out there, right? Like from these international human rights yeah yeah so i would say that like um it's it's interesting that the human rights organizations are only interested once there's an international element to the story or once um the story can be framed within the Mm neo-oriental framework of talking about issues and so um yeah i would say that specifically within the last um within the last uh 
couple of years, there have been more stories coming out. Obviously, I, I don't know if you know about the Mashua Layla incident. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But in September 2017. 2017. Oh, 2017, yeah. sorry. In September of uh, 2017, somebody raised the rainbow flag um, yeah. in Cairo in a people concert. And there were like 30,000 people there. It was not the first concert that the rainbow flag had been raised, uh, but many people oh, had been arrested. And then and that was framed. Um, so that was used to give a lot of queer people from Egypt asylum in Canada and the U.S. Okay. and so on, yeah. which is which, again, has its own politics. Um, yeah, but yeah, um, that's the case right now. People are either people who are well off are hiring lawyers to get them to fill asylum paperwork and leave and never have to go back. Um, mm -hmm. And then everybody else kind of just has to live. And like not everyone's able to do that. Yeah, yeah of course. Oh, man. Yeah, actually, yeah, 2017, yeah, end of 2017, I went to a Mashru Leila concert right after that, like, oh, a couple months yeah. later, and they were, ta I mean, they were still kind of, you know, shaken from it. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I would imagine, it's not easy. And they said that they had also been told by the Jordanian government never to return. Yeah, so they, they have had a couple of performances in Jordan, but they've yeah. had many performances in Egypt um, oh, wow. which is interesting because government does not have any laws against uh, male homosexuality at least oh okay yeah so I, I find it shocking I don't know on what grounds they, the government yeah. had the audacity to ask them to not come back it was probably one of those vague laws that yeah I mean but, but that's the thing anyway. Jordan has peeled those down a long time ago oh but on so the other I, hand, if a government official wants to basically well, yeah, at again, you, yeah, I mean, and, and it's kind yeah. of like that's kind of what happens when democracy isn't really democracy, right? When yeah. there's so much corruption, it's like anything yeah. can happen. Precisely, yeah. Like regardless of the wording of laws, which is so, uh -huh. so horrifying. Yeah, indeed. So yeah, did you feel so? Whenever you return to Cairo, do you feel pretty? like safe? I mean do you feel I, I do like it's it's difficult to talk about this because I definitely come from a significant place of privilege um which is not to say that I could never get arrested I could definitely get arrested mm -hmm. um yeah, yeah. that said um like coming from like a very upper middle class background yeah. and like not in one of the neighborhoods where the police would be like loitering on a grinder um oh yeah and like specifically being around groups of people like I'm already like around a lot of people who speak English and who are in communities that are um, very upper middle liberal. And so nobody like in my immediate vicinity is extremely homophobic. Yeah. Um, and so like, I like don't really like have to deal with that. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's a very, like, it's a, I definitely struggle with it because I feel like a part of me is writing about something that I have not experienced myself because of my own privilege. But maybe you're in a position where you can safely write about it. I mean, that, but that's I ex exactly, I think like it's... not, not only because I'm, I have that kind of protection and have the ability to exit the country whenever, yeah. um, but also because I do have the kind of education and so on that allows me to be able to just like, to be able to write in a way that would be engaging for people outside Egypt. Yeah, yeah. In a way I mean, that, like, I think a lot of people who didn't receive the education I have would not be able to. Yeah, like, it sounds like 
you're very thorough about getting accurate information. I, I try to be because I've just seen so much work that is not that and it's exhausting yeah. to see your to see your experience trying to be, be like there there have been multiple LGBTQ narratives in film and in theater that were like like about the Middle East but were by like random white guys with a camera who showed up in the Middle East yeah. um, and it's like I don't want to sure. do that uh, I, yeah. I try to rectify that to rectify that in my own work yeah that's so important yeah but given the pressure, like, even though you can, you do have a position of privilege, and, but given the, profession, the pressure that, you know, someday you might be too prolific to go back? I mean, I, have you ever... I mean, that's kind of like one of these things that's like scary, but also exciting. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, one that. of those things is like, when does your privilege run out? Because there's not like a specific right. privilege meter here that says, yeah. oh, no, you're too, you're too famous and gay to come back. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's definitely that's definitely a thing. Uh, I mean, yeah. I'm, I hope that happens, but I don't hope it happens like right this second. But uh, and I don't. Yeah. Hope it, but on that, yeah. it's like, it's do you feel like you, do you ever feel pressure to do like a pen name thing? Um. N no, <laughs> I don't know. It's probably because I, like, would like to. I don't know. Do pen names work? Is that a thing? Uh, <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be like a full. You know. I am William Shakespeare sort of thing, you know, like right, right, Ollie right, and, right. like yeah. you know, Ollie and Ellie are basically sort of pen names on the internet. Right. Well, not okay. really. They're oh. actual first names. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but oh. but you know, it's sort of but it's also part of the identity. We're just Ollie and Ellie, not Ollie right. And, you don't have your like our right. Your, our family names. Our I mean, players. I feel like just just That's by true. virtue of like how the theater community and the theater industry exist. I don't know if that's possible. Like if I, like mm -hmm. hypothetically, if the public theater, which is like one of the biggest off-Broadway theater, um, yeah. were to be like, hey, we want to produce your play. Like, okay, I don't know if that would happen, but like, let's say they did. Um, I, got you. Yeah, I don't think I can totally. just be like, I just want to go by Adam. <laughs> I, yeah, I think they'll like, be like, no. Podcasting and like theaters, they're two different contexts. Like, I know, I theater know. has a very yeah. visual component. But also <laughs> so. like a huge part of theater and further advancing and progressing your career in theater happens by building on a name that exists. Yeah, and so if sense. I continue to use the same pen name over and over and over again, eventually it would be associated with me. If I were to like make a new pen name for each of my plays, then that Start would over every time. basically stifle my career forever. Yeah, yeah. No, but, that makes know, sense. but maybe build up a career under the pen name. Well, but then people would know who that is. <laughs> like, yeah, I think... I think like because of the theater visual is not like aspect. I think it's yeah exactly it's not like publishing um like yeah. theater you have to be at your talk because you're actually at the yeah you you have to, exactly you have to be at your talkbacks you have to um yeah. I don't like, know you have to be at your talkbacks you have to like, yeah yeah people are taking pictures like you have to take interviews eventually that are like video yeah so yeah I don't know because again going back to the subject of social media that complicates everything. I know, yeah. I know. Like but, like, again, it's a blessing, blessing and a curse. Like, every curse, coverage yeah. is a step closer to yeah. that moment where, like, I'm screwed, but also a step closer to, like, like eventually, hopefully, awesome having a career. Yeah. 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 You're like, ugh. Yeah. That's a hard... Yeah, that's a really hard <sighs> to find. Right yeah. Now. That happy medium. It's hard to find that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, hopefully, someday we'll have that problem. I hope I so. That would be will. very nice. I don't know if we will. I mean, I don't know. I'm not optimistic. That's not one thing I'm optimistic about, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Know. 
<sighs> anyway, well, that I was think, therapeutic. I know that I've said that to other people where um, I've talked about like therapy as a as a thing and a concept, and I've told people that podcasting feels like therapy sometimes. Oh, it's totally. Ba- it's basically yeah. confession. It is. Yeah. It is. Confession. No, yeah, I, I definitely like. Because I'm, I'm someone who, like, really enjoys talking. And so I was just like, like, my friends were like, oh, you should, like, prepare for this. And I was like, I don't think I need to. I'll just talk. Yeah, you're so, you're natural. You're just like, I, you're like I, I've, like, actually considered, like, starting my own podcast for years now. Do it. Do I, like, it. never Do got it. around to it. Do it. <laughs> really? Yeah. I thought you would be like, don't. It's, like, so stressful. It's not, I mean, it's as stressful as you make it. So, like, if you did an episode every week, it might be a lot. But right. you could always do, like, start with once a month or twice a month. And it just, like, depends right. how much you want to put into it. Like, because you make the rules. Right. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I listen to certain podcasts that only release an episode every month. Yeah. 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 Me too. We only do <sighs> it every week because, I guess. There's so much to cover. <laughs> I guess, and like because there are two of us, um, we can divide the work. So Ellie deals with all the technical stuff, like keeping the website going, all that stuff. And right. I deal with like editing, editing. and right. oh my god, editing um, is so guests. hard. Yeah, the editing is. I like it. Ellie said that she wouldn't like it. So I no, I think it. it's because it's because you you you've create you've curated your Facebook your Facebook sorry your podcast yeah and. So, in such a style where it's extremely spontaneous and and I say that like in a very positive light. I, I think your podcast feels like people talking versus something that is extremely um, I don't know scripted. Yeah, scripted like yeah. like if you listen to like an NPR podcast, they have like music entering at a certain moment. Yeah, and then, like an definitely. excerpt from something from 1964, and it's like <laughs> yeah. That, but like I actually really enjoy how your podcast just feels like people talking. Oh, I'm so glad. Uh, yeah. We wanted to do something relatable. Yeah, so, like, it definitely. And, is. Yeah, the editing is so much easier for something like yeah. that. Yeah. So like it, I don't know. I feel like if your podcast was so intensely, intricately designed, I would yeah. not have had the courage to like show up and be like, oh my "Hey, God. record me for this podcast." I'm just. <laughs> Other, I was so yeah. glad we, we we met you. Or I don't know. Did you get to meet Ellie? I don't remember. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You too, Ben. Yeah, you were both there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was really excited to meet you. Um, and thank you. I don't know, like, um, on a recent episode, well, it was a while ago with Nadia and we talked about representation mm-hmm. in various media, you know, like right. movies, um, plays, right. dance and stuff like that. And I think it's really important to keep talking about that. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I can talk so much more about representation, but I feel like we've crossed the hour mark. Um, but I was just I in a in a Middle Eastern casting session with like the Casting Society of America. Yeah. And it lasted three hours. And Ooh. you could at every minute of these three hours, a different actor came up and talked about something that was so valid and true and yeah. complex because the industry's been curated in such a way in the US where it's really hard to break patterns of systemic oppression with representation. Because um, there's so many stakeholders. There's like your agents, and there there's casting agents, and casting directors, yeah. and directors, and writers, and you know, like it's just like a mess. But and yeah, the consumers anyway. too. Well, of course, yeah. That's like, that they're the most important part of the like, equation. And it's hard when like when I people guess expect the consum- bad guy to always be the Middle Eastern terrorist. Yes. 
Yeah. And then suddenly they're confused and they're like, why is a white person being evil? Right. And, and then, then there's like, that. yeah, yeah, never. <laughs> that's yeah. And then there's also um, <laughs> the fact that like Middle Eastern actors constantly have to make an active choice between only being able to play if you're well, if you have the privilege of white passing, which is its own thing, but then you all you have the choice to only be able to play like Judy or I don't know, Rebecca or something. Right. Or having to play like the terrorist's wife, <laughs> like you right. don't get to ha- play nuanced Middle Eastern characters. You either have to like pass as white and just do that, or become like the oppressed character <laughs> or the character that's evil. It's yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It's like, do I give up so many of my my values? Um, right. To like I said, like to pay the rent or to. To have right. a stable job or whatever, or... right? But I, th- I, I, yeah. I do believe that there is improvement on that front. Um, like I think, yeah. like even like in the last five years, having a character like Rami Malek, for an actor like Rami Malek, for example, playing mm-hmm. multiple characters that are um, multifaceted and like leads, I don't think that would have happened ten years ago. Um, You're right. Yeah, yeah. That's so, yeah. so true. Yeah. On Progress. the other hand, we've got the upcoming Aladdin movie. Oh, that's been... I, I don't think they've actually announced... Have they announced who Aladdin is yet? I don't think so. Because they've actively been looking for years to find someone yeah. who is... Because, um, you know, like, it's, yeah. it's, a dub, it's a two-way struggle. Actors yeah. don't get into the industry because diverse, because there aren't yes. enough roles for them. And then on the other hand, when the industry actually has a good role that requires someone to be Arab yeah. and sing yeah. and dance and be like a veteran of the stage... You don't find that because actors haven't been getting in because it hasn't worked. It's a and so cycle, yeah. it's kind of like the chicken and the egg situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, this has gone like 20 minutes longer. No, I than love it. it. I be. love it. Sorry, I have a lot to say. No, I I love that. I I love yeah. when like I don't know this how natural. We look. I don't know. Just, just how candid this is. Yeah. Know. Besides, we're not on a network. We do, we have no bosses and therefore no rules. So we can do whatever. So you can go as long as you need to. Yeah. That's great. And we can Watch save. we drop like a four-hour episode. <laughs> I swear, if You're you like, ask hey. me to do that, I could literally keep talking for the next. Well, I'm like, the worst. The and we can save Buck more than one once an episode. Yes. Wait, that's a have... thing? I know. Well, they're only radical? about to say fuck once an episode? Uh, it's a joke because in American theater or American movies, the PG ra- PG thirteen rating allows the script to have the word "fuck" once in it. According oh my god, to that's popular lore. so that's hilarious! Funny. That is so. That funny. is so funny. No, no, but also like um, I watched like there's this one drag show on YouTube that I love, and yeah. they were talking about how they can use very explicit language, and and talk about like very explicit sexual content but they cannot say the word fuck on youtube it's so bizarre youtube is a whole other can of worms and right it's It's absurd it's It's ridiculous youtube is i if youtube had if youtube has ever would ever if youtube ever does anything so extraordinarily stupid to push off its creators or have significant downtime i think i think a lot of people would not come back right no i i definitely think that like both Facebook and YouTube, I feel like there is a platform startup somewhere waiting to take over. Oh, there's mm. several. Yeah. No, but like actually good ones. Because like there are yeah. like, 
there have been so many ads for like this is the new Facebook, uh, and then it's like shit. Um, yeah, true. But I'm I'm saying that like I think there are opportunities for like an actually decent one mm-hmm. to show up soon. Yeah, with like better um, <laughs> priorities as far like what's censored and what's not. Right, like definitely. Yeah, maybe yeah. like censor neo Nazis rather than the word fuck. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> maybe just maybe. Yeah, wouldn't that be yeah. a nice? I would. Like, <laughs> I would give up the word fuck like... to get rid of neo Nazis. I... Just saying. <laughs> Me what? too. I would oh, give... definitely. Yeah. Yes. yes. If they were like, yeah. it's all or nothing, I'll be like, well, then all the <laughs> I feel out. like I take feel like I'm out. proposing what I'm proposing isn't radical. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. Uh, <sighs> so radical. I know. Uh, how could we have standards? <laughs> Man, that's, how that, dare that's, we? that's the other nice thing about podcast what? is basically iTunes is like, don't be porn. And that's pretty, that's pretty much the end of it. Yeah. Oh, there are porn podcasts. They're just not on iTunes. Exactly. Ah, okay. Yeah. Don't ask me why I know this. God forbid. God. <laughs> yeah. God. Um, okay. So if people wanted to like contact you or whatever, do you want to give any in- contact yeah, info? Yeah. I mean, I, I, oh my God, I'm in the middle of, this is so embarrassing. Cause like, wait yeah. one second. Oh, um, I, like, do have a website, but it's still in the middle of, like, making it. Oh, cool, uh, cool, cool. So this is embarrassing, but, like, I really, like, I, you're welcome to, like, put my Facebook on your notes. Uh, awesome. That's fine. No, that's Everybody great. can text me or yeah. email me, and you can use my email. And I'm, I'm really open. Okay. I just don't have, like, a website because I'm 21. <laughs> and I, but not, I will have one in six weeks. There's nothing about that. Yeah, you're 21. You... Well, and, yeah, like, seriously, you're... It's I like, just graduated. I've been like, oh my god, my like, the, my friend was like, I was going to like pay someone to do it, but then it was like too much money, and then my friend was like, I'll do it for you, and I was oh, like, oh awesome. nice, but then he's like in the middle of midterms, so like at some point we'll do it. It takes a while. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I <laughs> yeah. No. Oh my god, you're such a slacker. I can't believe you don't have a website. You've, you've <laughs> no, written all I these amazing so plays. This, you've I've had all these readings all over the recently. world. But, oh my god, you don't have a website. Yeah, just, just have a Twitter account and you're done. That's all no. you need anymore. No, I've been like, for real though, I've been on multi- in multiple contexts recently where people have been like, what's your website? And I'm like, I don't know. Comingsoon.com. Yeah. 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 TBA. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, you could totally like give people my email slash Facebook slash whatever you allow people to get. And anything you want to Perfect. plug at the yeah, end of whatever. this? Yeah, anything um, you want to tell anyone about? Like, to... um, Come see my thing at X or go see this thing. It's awesome. I mean, yeah. let me think. We'll go see this thing at awesome. Mm. <laughs> if you are... Okay, that, that ended already. Um, I can't think of anything. Oh, if you are in New York, go catch uh, Slave Play in New York Theater Workshop. It's incredible, and it's um, really nuancing um, how desire functions within queerness in interracial dynamics. Ooh, yeah, that's intriguing. Okay, yeah. so you can you can catch all the um, Adam's contact information that he will gladly provide us on the website, as well as a link to the slave play thing. If you're, yeah. Yeah, okay. totally. It's like okay. a New York Theater Workshop show. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I can send you a link. If yeah, it's not that'd be sold awesome. Out. <laughs> yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah, we can put it awesome. up. Put up and awesome. Thank you so much for Great. doing this. Great. Thank this you so much so for doing fun. this. This is like incredible. Yeah. This is I really so appreciate awesome. all the work you do. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate what you do. And I'm really happy we got to talk more 
Amazing. Um, I know Thank we you. were we didn't get much time to talk at Mark for Redaction. I know yeah. it was kind of brief. It was so many people. Yeah. So many people. I know you had to like head out. I had, had to head to, out like, eventually. Record yeah. and do all this stuff. So yeah. But, but your like, Mark for a Redaction episode turned out amazing, so that's cool. <laughs> oh, thank you! It was so much fun to record. Yeah, I could tell. Like, it, like I, I just, I was just smiling the whole time oh. while listening to it. Yeah. It was so much fun. Yeah, like just the people we got to hang out with. It was awesome. Yeah. Um. So everyone listening, you can find our website at thequeerarabs.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at thequeerarabs, and you can. What was the last thing? Oh, Gmail. email us at thequeerarabs at gmail.com. So please rate and review us on iTunes. That helps our podcast show up for more people to be able to access it, which is important. Um, there are also Arabic episodes. Check them out. That's with Ahmed. Um, it's on the same iTunes feed and stuff. Um, so you'll see some Arabic episodes listed if you know Arabic. And yeah, thank you again, Adam. You are thank amazing. Thank you. And yeah, let's keep in touch. And I hope to see you at Pride. Yes, definitely so, see you then. Yes. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.